conversations to inspire and encourage you today on business, creativity, the opportunities and the challenges of working and growing a business in a smaller market, because we're all in this together. Jillian Shecker is a multi-passionate joy coach, photographer, and brand partner, empowering others to reclaim joy in work, life, and play. She believes that joy is our natural state and that we all have something special to offer simply by being who we are as fully as possible. Often this involves self-acceptance, love, and the space to dig into the truth of who we are. Jillian believes that life is made up of small moments and it's her goal to live in each one as fully as possible while inspiring others to do the same. We chatted about a meaningful life, joy, know what you desire, the portfolio process, and being honest with yourself. What are you currently working on? Okay. So, (laughs) um, I'm working on a few things, but I think I'll just focus. Hashtag fucking focus. Okay. You can swear on this. It's okay to swear. <laughs> Thanks for the permission. Okay. Just checking. Yeah. <laughs> okay. After you swear. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I think the, well, one of the most exciting things I'm working on right now is the joy nest, which is um, essentially going to be like a, a group coaching situation for people who've been in the joy sessions, which I'm doing an online course with right now. So let's talk about the path that has got you to where you are today Okay. and kind of like your history and stuff. Cause that, that's really important for, you know, I'm finding that there's really interesting connections from people's past to how, you know, they're able to succeed and, and how they're able to keep that momentum and stuff going today. So where did this journey start for you? This joy journey, this joy journey. <laughs> If you're looking back on it now, because, you know, it's easier to look back on it. Where did this joy journey begin? Yeah, actually, that is a great place to begin talking about things, because um, I think the reason why I am where I am now, which is uh, working as a joy coach and also creatively with clients doing photography, et cetera. But it's always had this common theme of of joy. And um, it's been a strategy that I've always used my entire life. Looking back, I can see where I would like argue with my parents about what a meaningful life really is and always had this inner knowing that it wouldn't be external things that actually made me happy. It would be mm-hmm. living in alignment from like my teens. I knew that. Um, and so I've always just been really blessed to be able to follow my heart. And that's led me to do a lot of amazing things and um, experience incredible opportunities because I'm like, Oh, I, I want this. Like I, I have this desire. I'm going to pursue it. Um, so I do call myself like a scanner or a multi-passionate because I'm interested in so many things. Mm -hmm. And for many years, it was, uh, annoying to like everyone I know. They're just like roll their eyes every time. Like, I want to do this. Um, but now everyone can see how (laughs) it all actually made sense. Right. And for me, it made sense because it felt good. And I believe that we are here, like that we are meant to feel good, that that is actually a natural state. And that joy is who we are. So, um, so yeah, I mean, where to, where to begin? So let's start with your, with your degree. I think that's a, that's a good place to, to start this story and to start this journey. 
this joy journey, <laughs> okay. right? So what was your degree in? So I did a degree in psychology and um, I actually didn't think I would go to university when I was in high school. I was just living in the moment, you know, not studying, drinking Big Bear in the parking lot <laughs> instead and, and couldn't really see beyond my teenage years. I just didn't care to. I was like just present with what was. Um, and then after graduating, I just got some random jobs and then I moved from Calgary to Edmonton and ended up going to school. And when I decided to go to school, um, I got in as a mature student, thank God, because my grades like actually really sucked. And though I was nervous about how I would do because my, my high school marks weren't good, uh, I actually did so well. And I think it's because I was so interested, like psychology was so interesting as well as philosophy, sociology, all of these concepts were so interesting to me and I was super engaged in all of it. So I like got honors, I think for the first couple of years and that was at Grant McEwen. And then I went to U of A and finished up and kind of lost steam <laughs> at U of A, but I did end up um, going and studying in Italy for a semester, which was really cool and just like completely opened my eyes to the world. Mm -hmm. And that's actually where I started photography. Cool. was like with a shitty point and shoot camera that my grandma gave me, which was like decently nice, but you know what I mean? <laughs> Not like what we have now. Right. And um, yeah, that's where like my passion, I would say for creativity started without knowing it, without knowing it. And so um, I did some additional traveling that year and just like went around Europe and came back and um, finished my degree. And then um I taught English in Asia for a year, which was again fun. And I do like my having my camera with me is the most memorable part of that trip was just like capturing the culture and I'm um, just seeing things through my lens, through that lens. And so when I came back, I, um, I thought I wanted to go back to school and get a master's in something. And so I ended up taking a couple of courses, but I just wanted to live. And at the time I was working at Aveda in the front end selling shampoo, <laughs> dreaming about what I would do. Mm -hmm. Um, and I kept getting in shit for watching everyone cutting hair. And so I would also cut my best friend's hair all the time. <laughs> Thank you, Jessica, for letting me practice on you. <laughs> there were only a few mishaps where I had to drag her back into the salon, but, um, but the company saw potential in me and they actually gave me a scholarship to go to hair school. And, um, that was all, that was kind of like the next step in my creative career, I would say, was just like really exploring hair as a medium. And also I think what I loved most about hair was the connection with the people. It really was like, you know, you, you're privy to a lot of personal information and I just really love that connection. Mm -hmm. So then where? So then, um, my father passed away suddenly and I found it really hard to, um, be available for others at that time. I, I took it really hard. And, um, so I, and also I had a bummed wrist as well, repetitive strain. Um, so I, I always thought, cause this is the way I think, like if I won the lotto, what would I do? I believe in the lotto life. I believe that that is possible. And so I knew that if I won the lotto, I would have, um, it's interesting. I didn't pick photography because I wanted to learn Photoshop. So I went into design <laughs> to learn Photoshop. Interesting. Which is like so funny. This is way back when, way back when. But I also wanted to be a designer. I don't even know why. I thought it'd be like so cool to be a graphic designer. 
I re- I wanted to learn the programs okay. is what I wanted. And because of my wrist, I got a grant. So essentially I won the fucking lotto. Right. <laughs> so I applied to EDAC guru at that time. And I applied with a photo portfolio actually. And, um, yeah. So, and then you and I met Heiko was my teacher. I was, was interesting. <laughs> You were crazy. I, I think horrible. I made you cry, didn't I? Didn't I call you a wackadoo I think I and made I made you, you cry? cry. <laughs> I called you a wackadoo in your portfolio review and it made you cry. You weren't in my portfolio review. Oh. Remember that? The last one? Yeah. Remember when I said that? I was like, you're kind of a wackadoo and it's awesome. Keep going with it. And then after I heard like somebody came back and said, you made her cry by saying that. I'm like, I didn't say it as a derogatory thing. I said it as oh, a- Oh, I doubt it. You're just a sensitive- I think I've always known I've, I'm a wackadoo. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember when you said that I was artsy fartsy. <laughs> yep, I said artsy fartsy. Now look who's the artsy fartsy one. Oof, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, um, that was wild. That was like, because I honestly didn't know how to use a fucking computer. <laughs> like, that was, was obvious. <laughs> <laughs> but so technically shitty, right? Yes. But I had so much creativity. Like all I needed. Challenge. Let's say that. Right. Not shit. Technically, BB. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I had lots of creativity. And so I just needed to learn how to learn, I think. I think that's what Guru did for me, EDAC now. It was taught me how to learn and how to um, just solve creative problems. Okay, so you graduate with this. With flying colors. Now you have this. Um, now you're a designer. Now you're into this next phase. Right. How did that go? Well, I think it went well. I think it went well because I didn't actually pursue like a career. Like I didn't ever see myself working in an agency or doing a nine to five. I've never, ever seen that for myself. Um, And so I didn't really apply for any jobs. I just immediately started getting freelance work. And... So I used, I would just do freelance work, which was fun because it's like creative and you did it kind of in your own time. And I was learning the ropes um, and also doing other jobs that I found interesting or was able to like explore my passions with. So I worked at like a flower shop for a while, which was fun. Um, And then I ended up kind of moving back into psychology because I was like, I want to make a difference in the world. So I got a job at the women's prison. And I worked as a psych assistant there for like a session, I guess, 90 day, 90 days in jail. Yeah. Um, and that was so cool, like from a sociological perspective and just, it was so humbling. It was so humbling to be around people who had such shitty uh, experiences and really honestly just feel complete appreciation for where I was knowing that like we've all made mistakes in life. and. Right. And just being so grateful that I never got busted for them or, or, you know, had them filmed publicly or, or had different consequences play out. Cause there's not a lot, you know, when you, when you really think about it, there's, I just could see how connected we all actually are and just have so much like empathy and compassion for others, which then I think translated into compassion for myself as well. So when you're, let's, let's, let's pause for a second. I think um, an interesting point to make is 
you left school and you didn't go the route of of applying for work and getting into an agency or or a design firm you started getting freelance work how are you getting that work like were you hustling for that work was that referral based work like how did that work come well this is the freaking magic of manifestation okay yeah i actually believe that i manifested it it's like what do i want to have happen i wanted work so i was presented with those opportunities and i think this is what I teach people now, right? It's like, be clear about what you want to have happen. And it's more likely to happen as well as if you're, if you know what it is you desire and you're taking inspired actions toward it. So for me, that probably meant at the time, this was a while ago, so I don't remember, but talking about it, um, I was also doing like underground hair. So talking to people there, um, as well as after the jail scenario, um, I, the chief hired me in his private practice to do like assisting there. So I was administering like cognitive tests as well as doing design and using these skills. I like rebuilt their website and you know, he knew I had these skills. So I feel like being aware of our strengths and our gifts and sharing that with people, sharing what you're excited about, sharing what you want to be doing. People all want to help you out. You know, we all want to help each other. So if I know that there's something that you're super excited to do, I'm when that opportunity presents itself, I'm going to reach out to you and offer it. Right. Right. Assuming you're a good person, which we're still not clear on. Right. We're still, we're still <laughs> trying to figure that. We're still trying to figure. Ten years later. <laughs> uh, so, so, so you were still, you were still supplementing your time, but you were still kind of, you were still doing a, a creative practice while you were doing the underground hair and while you were doing, you know, you went on this, this, this kind of tangent, um, but it was still tying back into like. Everything is tying back into the connection with people and the the feeling of helping people. Yeah. Right? And creativity. Yeah, but like but using creativity for yeah. that yes. for that purpose, right? And then connection. Really, really seeing what's happening and then somebody saw what you're bringing and then went, "Okay, we could use you for some of this some of this stuff." So, now you're helping um Helping them out by, you know, rebuilding their website and and still, you know, helping with administer tests and stuff like that. How did that end? How did that, what was the transition from that into whatever the next phase is? Like, what's the next transition? Okay, that's transition? an interesting story. And there's one thing I need to mention about how I got the work when I think about it. Yeah. It's because I put it out there. So every time I ever wanted to um, shift or pivot or do something new, I just fully believe in doing what it is you want to do just do it. So in my portfolio, I just had work, whether it was paid or unpaid or fucking made up that I wanted to be doing. And so people would, you know, when you say, give me your card and you're like, here, take a look. Or now on social media, you're like, Hey, take a look at my stuff. People would go and look and love what they were seeing and hire me. So that was also, you know, it's like, you don't just necessarily wish for these things. Like you have to take the action toward them. So you're just, you're showcasing in your in your portfolio you were only showcasing the work that you wanted to do you weren't just showcasing the work of what you thought a designer should be doing no i just showed what i wanted to do always okay. mm -hmm. and don't show what you don't want to do because well, it's just it's just it's 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 a common thing when um when people are new is they don't want to lose opportunities so they want to show everything i right. can do everything right you know and which is all, fine we, if you don't have clarity yeah right? because because you're on that search right yeah. but it's you know there's positives and negatives that come from from doing that mm -hmm. right like yeah you're, you're you're searching for something right now but um 
I still think you still need to like really just showcase the work that is just you passion love. for you right now. Yes, for sure. You know, if it's if it is logos for one week and then next week it's web design, change it. Mm-hmm. Right? It's a living, breathing document. And I think where a lot of people think their portfolio is, oh, it's done, it's done. It's like it's not. It's it should be this ever evolving snapshot in where you are. <sighs> and that can change daily. Oh my God. I right? yes. It becomes a process. It's your portfolio should be a part of your your day to day, almost your day to day process. That's what I believe, anyway. Oh my god, I change my website all the time. Yeah, I decided, and it's been like a yearly thing now because things have been progressing quite quickly. The more clarity I get, the more things shift quickly. Right. Um, yeah. and so I decided um to treat it like a pet instead of a monster. So that means that I'm like feeding and watering it all the time, instead of thinking of it something like I have to conquer which is the common approach. Right. It's like, I'm going to rebrand, right? That's yeah. what I used to do. Rebrand, and I'm rebrand. Like, no, I'm just like, no, just like who cares? Just Nobody put cares. up what you want to do. Change the content, change the text, like be clear about what you offer and the results and what you truly do for people. And for me, the more clarity I get, I'm like, oh, I need to add that, mm-hmm. right? Or change that. Or, oh, that's not actually what I do. Or I get feedback from, from clients and I like, Put it up on the website. So it's more of like a living, breathing mm-hmm. animal. <laughs> okay. So th- you, you manifested now it was that it's that transition from when you're working oh, yes. at the, this is the fun. This is where it gets fun. At the jail into the, the next part. So I actually left the jail. I was working at the chief's, the, the office, um, in a psych office. And I had a design client who found my business card through a shop. I'd, created cards for in Lethbridge. So she was working for the city of Lethbridge and she saw my card and she called me. And so we partnered up for some work for the city. Okay. And so through her, her name was Glenda. <laughs> um, through Glenda, I was introduced to Danielle Laporte and Danielle Laporte's work. And so um, this is around the time I read her first book, The Firestarter Sessions. I think it's her first book. It was called The Firestarter Sessions. At that time, it was actually called the Spark Kit, but changed to the Firestarter Sessions. And that for sure was like super pivotal for me because mm-hmm. um, it's an amazing book and um, just really real and also made me reconsider who I was and what I was doing and like really at the core of it, what my strengths were. And um, just all the resources in it were perfect. So I think there was like Marcus Birmingham is his name, the Strengths Finder. Stuff like that, like yeah. really kind of um, insightful resources. So I was reading these resources and kind of getting on in the flow and really seeing where I wasn't happy in what I was doing at the psych office and just not feeling connected. I just felt like I was wiping people's asses all the time, which is like not fun. Right. Ever. But particularly for a creative. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so um, we were having a staff meeting and... um. It was to like talk about how to make the office better. And I was walking to work at that time. And on my walk to work, I was like, how do, how do I make it better? Like, what do I need? What mm-hmm. do I desire in this scenario? And I kept on like going. And now I call this going to the bottom of the barrel and I'll do it with my clients as well, which is just like, what do you truly desire? What do you truly desire? What do you truly desire? And like narrowing it down to the bottom point, which was for me on that walk to the meeting, I don't want to fucking work there. <laughs> like actually, like... I don't want to work here. I'd been telling my boss that I wanted to use my strengths more and what my strengths were. And he essentially had said, there's not room for that right now, but we'll try and, you know, we'll try and figure it out. I wanted to 
work in the community more, work mm-hmm. one-on-one with people. And he actually did give me one client, kudos to him. Um, but that was, you know, like it just wasn't enough to make me feel aligned. And aside from that, it was just like lots of paperwork. Blah. So in the meeting, they were expecting me to say, oh, here are my five points to make the office better. And I actually said, it's been a slice and I'm out of here. <laughs> and I set them up. I said, you know, I just realized when I think about it, I'm not using my gifts here. Um, I've appreciated the experience and I've learned so much and, you know, it's my time to go, but I will set you up for success. So I'll stay on for like, I think I stayed on two months and I trained the next person and left on a high note. Um, but yeah, they were pretty gobsmacked. Yeah, I remember that's just similar to a feeling that I had when I left uh, the first school that I was teaching at, you know, helped, helped the school grow and was, and was, it was pivotal because I had some really good mentors that had taught me a lot of things about education. I really got into the nitty gritty of like course design and how to do it for the government and make sure you get all your ducks in the row and stuff. And I still, and I tell this story to everybody, like I still remember that day of the company was growing and it was going to go public and it was just at the part, well, actually it was public. So now it was a corporation and, um, you know, there's, we're taught there, we have these meetings where they would talk about the financials and, and stuff. And I remember just sitting on the floor in the boardroom. I don't know why I was sitting on the floor, but I was sitting on the floor. There was a couple other guys with me and I just looked around and went, these are not my people anymore. Mm-hmm. These are my people. Like, I love these people. We've been through so much together, but I just went, they're done. And I got up and the meeting was done and I kind of walked out, came back in, t- told my boss, I said, can we talk for a second? And he's like, yeah. And I said, I'm not, I can't pick up the ball anymore. Yeah. I remember just saying that. I'm like, I can't pick up the ball anymore. Like, here it is. Mm-hmm. I'm done. Mm-hmm. And he kind of went, holy shit. <laughs> like, really? And I'm like, I go, it's just, it's, my heart's not here no more. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had, it was, it was, and it was at the point where it was like, the money was really good. There was a, an expense account. I could get any equipment I wanted, any type of resource I wanted. I didn't even have to ask. I could just get it. Yeah. I had everything I wanted. Mm-hmm. And I just walked away. Yeah. Right. And it just, but it's knowing that, that feeling, right. And it's to know when to walk away. It's just like, just, just got to walk, you know, everything, everything worked out Mm -hmm. uh, in the end. And, and it's, it's weird. Cause I was just having this conversation with a colleague yesterday as well of that. I think we discussed this too. It's, it's how do you, how do you kind of know when it's time to go? Mm. Well, just before you walk into the place that you're going to work and you have to stop for a second and go, (sighs) shit. Yeah. And then you go to work and it's like, why am I doing this? Right. You know? And, yeah. and I talked with a, a teaching colleague of mine yesterday and we did the same thing. And I, I went in and talked to the, to the, the new boss. And I said, listen, like I'm on my exit strategy right now. Did I'm you? not going to be here next year. Mm. I want to be a part of this still because education's so rich inside my soul, mm-hmm. but I can't do this. Mm. Like I can't, I can't sit in these meetings and I, and I can't, it's a, it's a transition that's happening. Mm. And the new phase is, is where my energy needs to be because mm-hmm. there's, there's growth, there's scalability there. Right. And I think that's the big thing that I've been seeing. So sorry to kind of interrupt in tangent, but it was very similar. So how did that feel? It felt good to be able to, to be able to say it. Right. Um, to be able to have it out. And it was kind of a little bit of a shock mm. to them, but it shouldn't have been surprised because my mind, my head, and my heart's not there, and you could feel that my head and my heart's not there. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not a person that can hide his emotions very well, mm-hmm. actually at all. No, really. <laughs> um, so you you know you know how I'm feeling. So it's 
it was, but the feeling of it was, it, it feels good that it's out there and they know. And now we can plan accordingly to make, help it happen. And I can be a part of helping it happen. Right. You, and you can like really use your gifts to set them up more. I think that sense of relief though, like, isn't that like, to me, that's feeling better, right? Yeah. Like you're, you're in alignment. You're not like living a lie. Right. You're not going to do something that you're having to pretend that you're someone you're not for. Yeah. And I think that's key. And that's where everything else starts to shift. Like to be honest to yourself first and then as honest as you can be with others. It just it feels so much better than confusion and all those other low vibe feelings. So I quit the psych office. Yeah. And um, started working fully, like not fully, but had this contract with Glenda and the, and the city of Lethbridge. Uh-huh. And I actually did last day of work, my very last day of work. I fell down the front stairs in my house and broke my back. (laughs) Like, I don't know if you want to add that in, but it's interesting now that I think about it because I couldn't walk for a while and I couldn't get physio. And I just wanted to like rush my recovery. As you know, when you go through these things, you just like want to be better and you will do anything just to be better. Yeah. Um, and so I wanted to treatment, but I couldn't do anything for it because like physically it just needed to heal. And so I ended up, um, seeking out Reiki treatment. That's like how that happened, which was like energy work, mm-hmm. which was amazing and really kind of opened my consciousness to that sort of stuff. Um, so through that Jack Hammer in your conversation. So that happened, but the cool thing was I can still work. Okay. Like I was like doing design from bed. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, it was just like an interesting, weird. Cause I, I was like, I'm free. <laughs> and I can't walk. <laughs> so how long did it take you until you were able to come back and walk? Um, like three months. Holy shit. But I, I couldn't really walk. David was like, oh my God, thinking about it makes me weepy. Um, cause he would like help me up and down the stairs every single day and night. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it was not great, but, but I had tons of support and it just was like, it, it sucked in terms of, I think looking back, I wish I would have actually surrendered more to the, to it. Right. Because you need to heal. And now I, I can see why perhaps that happened. It just gives you so much perspective and even more gratitude. I've always been like the most grateful person, but certainly made me extra grateful for like health and wellness and my body and just look at things in a different way. And actually I'm thinking now, maybe that's when I used to be like over attached to my body. And I think that really shifted me to be like careless. Okay. And to be more like of spirit instead of, of body. Clearly. So you get back to walking. And then what's the next, what's, 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 what's the next big transition? Like that's where, where a big shift happened. Right. So, um, so the work with Glenda went well, we did lots of work together till for like about, um, six months or so, six or nine months. And then the work kind of dried up. And so then I came to a crossroads of, okay, well, I need a job. Or do I get more freelance? Like, what do I do? And so I just started looking at jobs. And I ended up getting a job at this, like, balloon gift company called Wish at the time. 
And it was my first job as a design. They hired me as a designer and a photographer, hmm. which was really fun. And so I did that for like six months or so. And it was cool. Like it was actually really a fun job. I got to kind of shoot in studio and use all my skills. And I didn't love like the nine to five, but I, oh yeah, I only agreed to work four days a week. I was like, I will only work four days a week because I have other freelance clients. Um, yeah. And so it was cool. And then they um, went under, so I got laid off. And then when that happened, that was like, they told me like a week before Christmas. And so that January I was like, okay, I'm going to just fucking go for it and work for myself. Like actually put myself out there. Cause before I was like really underground, I didn't even have Facebook or Instagram or social media. I was just like getting work. Yeah. Um, so while I was at wish, I started up Instagram and Facebook and, um, yeah, just started taking photos. I started a blog called Mrs. Shecker, which like no one read. I had to force my best friend to read it. And my mom was like my only follower. And, but what I loved about that, and this goes back to putting out what you want to be doing is I was like, I'm going to do a blog cause I want to do photography and I want to get work being a photographer. So I'm going to take photos and like slap them up there and this will be my motivation. And so it worked like, uh, I ended up switching the website and everything, but just being honest about what I wanted to be doing, which was photography. I kept getting more photo work. So that was like the beginning of that. Um, and then I ended up getting a contract with Danielle Laporte. That was like the next pivot, I would say. Was getting work with her. So, and I totally manifested that. One yeah. day I was sitting there thinking, what do I want? Like, what do I want to do? And I had seen one of her social media people posting mm-hmm. earlier. And I was like, I want to work for Danielle Laporte. So I went creeping, trying to find this person to see like what she was doing to get this work. And I didn't find her, but I went through Danielle's whole site and I creeped on like everyone on this site. And I ended up just liking a few photos of the Danielle's like manager, okay. president. I don't know who it was. I don't know what her title is. Still works with her. Um, and I just liked a few photos. And like, I swear to God, two days later, I get a message in my inbox, which I didn't even know what it was. It's just like a little mail thing. And it's from her, Angie. And it says... We're hiring a graphic designer for Danielle Laporte. Would you be interested in the position? Really? (laughs) Swear to God. And I was like, is this a fucking joke? Like, is this possible? And it was. So I went through a pretty rigorous application process and I got the job. So that happened, which was wild. That was like, oh my God. That was like as if Oprah had phoned me and like said, Jillian, do you want to come work with me? Which... I am open for work, Oprah. <laughs> would love to would love to meet you, Opie. Um, I do want to be interviewed by Oprah. I'm putting that out there. Okay, there you go. Put it out there. I mean, it's kind of the same. It's so what now, we're you're doing gonna, now. now you're going to get uh, an email from Oprah. <laughs> Maybe. Right? That'd be awesome. Um, but what was interesting about the Daniela Port, like, lotto job, like, crazy, crazy opportunity was that um, during the interview process, Angie asked me if I was prepared to work 40 to 50 hours a week. And, and actually, when I think about it, my heart said no. Yeah. But I said yes, because it was such a wild opportunity. But like, I can't commit to anything. Like, I can commit to my own work and projects and my own business. I probably work like 80 hours a week. Right. For sure, like 60 yeah. as an entrepreneur. But 
to commit that much time to like, I, I hadn't even in hair. I only worked four days a week. Like I've always had this, like, I can't give too much time. Like I need more time for me and my creativity. So I knew it was a no, but I said yes. And then that led to just like three months of craziness, craziness. Cause good craziness or bad craziness? Bad, I would say that was like a low time. It was, um, I was super insecure. I didn't feel good enough. I, um, didn't feel worthy. I just didn't produce my best work. You know, when you feel stupid and you do stupid things, Yeah. it was like that all the time. And I was working with an art director who was traveling all the time. So it was just like really shitty communication and I just didn't feel supported. And so, um, I ended up leaving. Finally. Yeah, is that, is that, is that how, that's how you got through it? You just left? Well, or? what happened was I busted my ass for three months and, and it, I was miserable and I actually got through it with, that was probably where my drinking became the worst. This was like right before I quit drinking. So I was drinking a lot. I was super stressed out. I was fucking miserable, like crying all the time, like just like not myself, not joyful at all. But also because I felt like I had something to prove, it was like I couldn't quit. Right. It's like I can't quit. Like I've this is my opportunity. And also this is fucking Danielle Laporte. And also you've got to prove yourself. So lived in that misery for a while and just tried as hard as I could. But I think the universe kind of aligned things for me and made it possible to quit because um, they were going to hire me full time and they kept on like feeding me that they'd hire me full time. Right. And then Angie called and said that they decided that they um, had some concerns and that they wanted to continue my probation. And I said, no, thank you. And I just actually got super honest with myself and with her. Again, this is like the bottom of the barrel moment yeah. where you have an opportunity to like be so fucking honest. And I always say like, take it. Like, I just feel like you can't pussy out right now. <laughs> Horrible phrase, but it's true. It's like, just, just be honest. So I just told her, I said, I don't think this will work. And I'll say, honestly, um, I don't think this is the job for me. And I was honest that I, I agreed to something that I was never actually comfortable with. And that th that many hours, like 50, 60 hours a week, it's just like not something I was willing to do. And also I wasn't in my power and I wasn't showing up the way that I normally would. So it was clearly just not a fit. And I thanked them and I moved on. And interestingly, a few months later, they hired me to do like contract photo work on my terms, like as a freelancer instead of as an employee. Um, so that was really interesting. That was a like, wild time. And I would say um, when I look at that time, I think it was pivotal, pivotal, pivotal for so many reasons. Um, one being that just because you think something's going to be amazing doesn't mean that it's going to be right. And also back to this external, like this job will make me feel better. This experience, this house, this car, this, whatever it is, it is outside of ourselves will somehow make me feel like a better person or more worthy or enough or happy and being like, fuck, no, it won't. Mm -hmm. Like it actually confirmed my belief, which was that it's all internal and that in order to be truly happy and joyful and aligned, you need to, um, I, I said it, but be in alignment, like be living the life you want to live, be feeling the way you want to feel. And it like, for whatever reason, just didn't like check those things off for me. 
I just have this this thought that there would be somebody out there that you know is going to be listening to this and say, "Well, it's it's easy for you to say when you make a statement like that." You know what I mean? What statement? That just do what you want to do mm. and do it for yourself and everything comes into alignment, right? Mm. And it's like to some people they don't believe that's even possible. Mhm. So what do you say to that? How do you how do you how do you work through that? Or is that is that is that the basis of what you're doing now? Mm-hmm. Of those people who have a hard time mm-hmm. understanding that you can actually be the deliberate creator in your own life, right? Yeah. Well, we're 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 similar in the way that you know we built photography businesses in an era in a in a time when everybody was saying that photography is dead mm-hmm. and everybody's a photographer. Mm-hmm. And it's true everybody's a photographer. It doesn't mean the industry's dead. Mm-hmm. But, you know, over this time we both grew businesses. And we both grew businesses exponentially. Mm-hmm. And that was just through through willing it, you know, and by just going this is just what I'm going to do. Yeah. And I didn't think anything other. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's transitioning into whatever it's transitioning into now, but it's just knowing that that it is it actually is the initial step i think is easy it's you have to follow through by still doing the work mm, yes right completely inspired action is everything well it's a lot <laughs> it's a huge part of the process i think so then how did you recover from that because you said like this was a low point right like you and 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 kind of an eye opener for you but how did you get through that part because there's there's going to be people, everybody goes through these parts yes. in their life. So how do you get through that? The hero's journey, right? Um, so I quit drinking. I was like drinking a crazy amount and, um, and it just progressed super rapidly during that time. So yeah, um, that was a huge, I quit the job. I went away. I was like getting blackout drunk and had a dark night of the soul. Well, three dark nights actually. and um, quit entirely, chose sobriety, I would say. Mm -hmm. And so, um, that's where, like where a lot of things shifted. Um, I'm trying to think of what I did when I got back for work. Like I've always, I'd always been freelancing. Right. So, and believing that work would come in. I've never really, I mean, I I have moments of lack, but I typically believe that like my needs are always being met. (laughs) So it's not like, Oh my God, what am I going to do? It's like, no, you're going to, ask for what you want. What do you want? Like, what do you want next? And so around that time, yeah, I just started getting more photo work. I just really put myself out there. Um, a big break for me was Poppy Barley, who I still work with today. Um, and I actually truly just like walked up to the barbers and said, I want to work with you. Like that's, that's how that happened. That's how it worked for me. Cause they were the, they were one of the first people I shot for too. Mm-hmm. And they were in the same building that we were at, and they had a little table and a boot. They didn't even have they didn't even have anything yet. This was before they even had a a product, really. Yeah. And I was like, I just went up and said, "Who's shooting your stuff?" And they're like, "We don't know," because they, I mean, they were like, they're just in the process of starting their business. Yeah. And I remember just like setting up and not really knowing what I was doing, but just having that opportunity to go in there and go. Oh, we shot your entire first collection. Like we shot that first collection, their first collection so they could get their website going and they didn't have all the colors. They only had one color 
So we shot the one color of boot and then post-processed all the colors oh in their God. line. So they were able to do that, right? Wow. And it was just, it was, it was pretty wild. It's uh, incredible. All the people, you know, that that company has been kind of involved with. And then, you know, and then she walks into the studio when Kendall walks into the studio, right? And it's just like, holy crap, I haven't seen you forever. Yeah. You know, but it was just, it's always that story of they gave, you when know, gives the op- that opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. So there was a lot of opportunities in that time when yeah. I was like, like got sober, was like, what do I want? Um, what impact do I want to have? What gifts do I want to use? Like always just being mindful of like, what, what are my strengths and gifts? And I remember writing mantras for years, mantras, affirmations, whatever. Yeah. It was like, I want to use my gifts and talents, um, working with people who love what they do and appreciate what I do, making it a positive impact in the world. That was like what I wrote. I would write it every single morning for like years. Mm-hmm. And I think that really helped me to be on track with what do I want to do? How do I want to show up? So um, I got puppy barley work. I also reached out to like Corey Christopher, got work with him, made social, had a shoot with them, which was amazing. And um, and then like just snowballed, worked with Justine Ma and so pretty Care Cotter that year. Like it mm-hmm. all just within Pura, all these beautiful brands, all within a short amount of time. Plum. Like all of it really quickly happened. Um, and then from there, I just continued on. Like I just, I just continued on and called myself a brand photographer. And this was like, how many years ago? Three years ago. So what led you then? What was the, what was the turning point that led you into now getting into creating this, the joy sessions? And Okay. The coaching. Um, so I've always been interested in like, people and my own self-development. And I I call myself like a self-help addict. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I was first starting out in business, uh, I am quite sensitive. So it was really emotional and hard to separate myself from the work. And I knew that if, when I decided to really go for it fully, that in order to do that, I needed help. So I hired a bookkeeper (laughs) and I also got a business coach. And, um, her name was Vicki Walker and she's amazing. And the best advice she ever gave me was to cover my belly button, which meant like, like being a little self-protective, like not taking things so personally. And it changed everything for me in my life, actually, to be like, people don't care that much about us. Like no one is actually thinking about us. Everyone is typically thinking about themselves. Yeah. And also he writes about that in the four agreements, which is such a good book. Don't take things personally. It's like the first agreement. That's a, that's that's a an interesting point of you. This is pretty cool because you, you know you are the you are like the the season finale for this season, but you're kind of <laughs> wrapping up all things that everybody said, mm. and in like what you just said right now was, um, we had you know a, a young girl Megan who's a social media influencer, and I talked to her and she just said. Nobody cares. Mm-hmm. If you put that into your head about when you're posting things and just go, nobody cares. Mm-hmm. You're just going to post it. You know, and it's, it's, it's not, and it sounds like it's a negative, but when you think about it, it's like we, we try to self-censor ourselves with it, but it's the fact that we are all just caught up in our own little world. Yeah. You know, if it's something that appeals to me, I'll stop. But if it's not, I just swipe by it. Right. And it doesn't matter. Yeah. So if it, it doesn't interest anybody, it doesn't matter. Because nobody cares. Right. You know what I mean? And she's like, and that's just how I've grown this thing to now being a full-time job. Like, that's her job. Yeah. 
you know, and she's like, she's like, this is incredible. And she did the same thing. She just, it just kind of, man, everything kind of, she manifested everything. Yeah. It's like, I love, I've always wanted to be in fashion. I love fashion. I didn't really go to design school or anything, but I found that I could get into social media. And then from social media, it's like, holy crap, now I can help other people with social media, but I don't really like doing that, but it paid the bills, but it allowed me to learn social media to the point where now I can make it my job. Totally. And she's in the fashion industry. Now she's got somebody doing a jewelry line for her and, you know, and thinking about what her end, like her big goal is going to be from this, like not her end game, but just like, why are you doing this all? Like, what if the rug gets pulled out from like, what if Instagram goes away? Mm-hmm. What do you got? You mm-hmm. know, no matter how many followers you have, it doesn't matter anymore because there's, what do you have that's going to back that up? So now she's really thinking about that next step, of like wanting a clothing line and just, and building it. Right. Which is cool. Yeah. It's a platform. So totally. Um, that just you you summed it up the same thing right there as we just we're just we're caught up in our own world you know and yeah and like everyone's so busy personal. and everyone has issues and struggles and and like full days and yeah no one's really paying that much attention and i think in a positive way it's, it's like positive right it's yeah no one cares as much as we think they care. <laughs> that I, I think i think that's a better way of saying it and the people who do care it's resonating with them yeah so just like Keep and those are the you. only ones that matter. Yeah. Um, I, it was, I, I interviewed um, Todd Kearns, who's a bass, bass player for Slash, and he said the same thing. He goes, he goes, I never worried about who didn't show up. Mm-hmm. You know, I never worried about, is the house full? Right. It never mattered to me. He goes, if there was one person there. Yes. Or if there was 10,000 people there, I'm going to play the same way. I'm the host of the party. Yeah. But so I never focused on the fact of where am I playing? It doesn't matter. Right. It's, I'm just the host of this party and I'm going to make it as the most enjoyable party, the most memorable party you can. And that's why he's probably one of the most sought out after musicians today. Yeah. Everybody, he's worked with everybody and that's the, it's that attitude and going, man, you know, if we can get over ourselves to have that type of attitude, yes, you can, you know, it's, it's unlimited what your potential is going to be. Yeah. And it's not about us. It's not about ego, right? It's like, if you don't rely on people for validation, then it also doesn't impact you as much if it's not well received or if like not, no one shows up or so relying on our clients or our followers or whatever you are fans for validation is such a erroneous way to perceive things. Yeah. It's like, if you're actually in alignment, like are you joyful? Do you feel good? Do you love what you're doing? Can you just show up and knowing that and trusting that, okay, actually maybe no one will show up. <laughs> There's that possibility. But, 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 but if nobody shows up, at least you know nobody shows up. So well, you're you doing can, what you, you love. Need, you need to reevaluate where your focus is yeah. and going, did I, did, I, did I shoot at the wrong target? Right. Because totally. that's usually what happened, right? And, and by what you were saying about other people's validation, this comes down to um, Paul Irwin, the trainer that I interviewed, said it's not about your followers or your likes. It's about the comments. Yeah. Because if you're getting comments, it doesn't. If it's negative, it's positive. That's where the power lies in this stuff. It's not about the number of people that are following you, because people are watching, mm-hmm. and it's really, it's really wild. We can have such an impact. I was just watching the yeah. Oprah show about. Um, You'll never know what your legacy is. Yeah. Like you actually don't know the impact you're having. So you, you can't. So I feel like for me, it's similar in that if I get one person saying I needed to hear this, 
then I'm like so fucking pleased. <laughs> it's like, okay, that was the purpose. And usually before I post the thing that's the scariest. Yeah. Like where I'm like, ooh, should I post this? Like, should I say this? Should I tell be this honest or vulnerable? Yeah. And I force myself to do it. It's always those posts where people are like, you have no idea how much this this means to me or how much I needed to hear it. Like it just connects us. It really connects us. Yeah. So I was working in my biz, had a coach who helped me to not take things personally, which was super helpful, but I ended up like just letting, you know, we just, uh, the relationship just kind of ended just because I was doing fine. And then with sobriety, I was finding, um, it challenging to deal with past relationships sober Mm -hmm. because there was just so much codependency and toxicity. And so I started to see where I had been people pleasing and sacrificing and really knew that in order to be sustainable, particularly in business that I needed to have better boundaries, but felt that was so challenging because I've never, I'd never had them before. So I was speaking with a coach about boundaries and Mm -hmm. really, really wanted to hire her. And at the time she was very expensive and I couldn't really afford it. Um, And I was talking to David about the money and he just said to me that he was concerned because he felt I was chronically seeking self-improvement and I just like lost it because it was true. And I'd never really seen it like that before. I was always just like, I'm just improving. I'm reading. I'm every time I had a problem, I would just buy a new self-help book and, um, or try to hire someone to help me. Um, which is awesome. Like support is awesome. But in that moment I knew he was right. And I cried because I realized that I would never be happy if I didn't start accepting myself and going within instead of seeking whatever it was externally, like support or someone to help with this or someone to help with this, that, like, I just really realized that on a very deep level that it was time to like go inside. And, um, a week later, lifestyle meditation opened. And I didn't know, but it was, I went to the first class of the first day it was open and it blew my mind meditation. Um, and so, um, that path has been a couple of years in the making and without knowing it, like I've never aspired to be a teacher. I think I even told you one day, like I never wanted to be a teacher. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you did. Right. Yeah. Um, it was not something I wanted, but turns out that's what I'm doing. So I took, uh, the teacher training and loved it like just loved it i ended up going to india last year as well which was completely pivotal shifted my entire perception of life um and came back and then um i'd always wanted to do coach training from years of just studying coaches and reading their material like uh cheryl richardson and uh, tony robbins um lots of people in the positive psychology industry Mm -hmm. and even consider getting like a master's in positive psychology, but God, I hate red tape. So I just like, can't do it. I can't do that. But, but, um, always wanted to do coaching. But at the time when I wanted to do coaching, I was like drinking (laughs) to cope and completely numbing out. And, um, it just was never the right time. Mm -hmm. So last year, um, after both my grandparents died, I knew that it was time for me to pursue coaching. Like it was my time. And I knew I would do it last year and I was looking into different schools and I thought I would do like Erickson college or something. Um, and I was speaking to a client of mine about coaching and 
she told me her friend had a coaching school. And I was like, what? Yeah. Law of attraction coaching school. So I'm like law of attraction coaching, like Abraham Hicks law of attraction coaching. I'd been listening to Abraham Hicks like every night for the past year, really resonating with it. And turns out that's the school that it was. So I knew I spoke to the coach and uh, her name's Tanya, amazing woman. And just knew this was right for me. Like it could not have been better. So signed up for that. It was about nine months last year of training and just recently got a certificate. But during the training, I so resonated with the material. I was like, this is how I've lived my entire life. This is what I believe. Like this is the curriculum was like perfectly matched to my belief system. Mm. And so, um, I just decided, I was like, I need to share this. That Like I, I have with through meditation and now law of attraction processes, I have like practical ways to share this with people. Like I can actually help people to become the deliberate creators in their own lives. And so the first workshop I had in my living room last year, and I called it the joy sessions. And I just invited people into my home and we did a guided meditation and then would do a law of attraction process and then wrap it all up. And yeah, I did it like three times in my house. Um, and then I decided to offer it online just because the, the impact seemed to be really good for people. Mm -hmm. That was a bad phrase. (laughs) The impact was really good for people. Yeah. It just had great results. It was having great results. People were sharing that it was having great results for them and really identifying with it. Um, And so, yeah, since then, it's just been a progression. So now I'm doing one-on-one coaching. I've made the joy sessions online so that I can help more people. And my my mission is just to blast the world with joy, (laughs) essentially. So it's like, how can I help as many people as possible um, to raise their vibration and start attracting and creating the things they want to have happen. And there are like so many simple ways to do this. So who, who's the, who's your ideal person? Who's your, who's your market? Who do you want to, who do you do this for? Well, the joy session, the joy sessions in and of themselves are really open to anyone. It's like everyone deserves joy in their lives. And so, um, yeah, that offer is open to anyone. I've been also doing, um, I call it Kapow coaching, which is working with entrepreneurs to help to infuse their life and business with joy. So really just kind of zooming out and helping to align with the things that light them up and make them happy, reignite um, their passion about what they're doing, possibly pivot, um, get clear on what they're actually offering, who they're offering it for. Mm -hmm. So lots of like brand strategy, but it's very deeply ingrained heart-based work. So we just dive into the heart. And then um, I've been finding that I've just helped people to release negative thoughts that and beliefs that are just holding them back. Okay. It's limiting beliefs. Um, and really the key is to simply be focusing on what we want to have happen. Like what do you want instead of focusing on what it is we don't want to experience, which is so easy. Like you get stuck in the negative cycle of Ugh, this feels gross. And like, I don't like this and I don't want this without knowing that that's like exactly what we're attracting because that's what we're focusing on. So yeah, I'm excited to blast the world with joy. So what's your end? Do you have an end goal? No. (laughs) 
Is it even a possibility? I was I, I was I was speaking with somebody else about that. Where it's, I was like, "What's your goal?" And it's like, "I don't I don't have a goal. I don't I'm not goal based person. I just want to work and be fulfilled every day." Mm-hmm. And it's like that's a it's a, a totally different way of looking at it of of how we're bombarded with the fact of you need your short term and your long term and your big goals and you should, right. everything's goal based, goal based, it's stuff based, right? As opposed to enrichment and and she was all about being enriched yes and i always just encourage people to focus on how you want to feel yeah so i'm always every day there's three different processes one of them is called segment intending it's like how do you want to feel what do you want to have happen and it's like we're energetically paving the way for those things to happen so i'm always thinking like i want to make a positive impact and um be joyful and and aligned and feel good and excited about everything I'm doing and just make a difference in the world. And it doesn't have to be a big, huge one. You know, it's just like showing up as fully as possible and trusting that I'll be guided to what it is I'm supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Um, Do I have goals? Yes. And I do believe in, I'd call them like heart-based goals or desires. It's like, what do you desire? You know, it's kind of like opening your consciousness up to how it was when you're a kid and you could think of anything that you wanted. I encourage people to do that because I do believe it's all possible actually. Like. Mm -hmm. Our dreams are possible, but we need to open our container to be able to hold them. So knowing that it's possible is the key as well. So removing so much resistance. We've learned so much resistance as adults, like so many fears and things that can't, oh, that can happen. And how are you going to do this? And like, we actually don't need to know everything. Like that's the magic of life. It's actually pretty magical. Yeah. As opposed to what we're being bombarded with continually, right? Which makes you do what though? It makes you... Like buy things. It's all about the stuff. Yeah. So how can people get in touch with you? I'll be able to find you. Can call me. (laughs) Just call me. Um, so visit my site, jillianshecker.com. And social media. Jillian Shecker. And feel free to join the Joy Club. I send weekly emails, joy filled emails, inspirations, imagery. All of it, I just want to um, share as much as I possibly can to help people to raise their vibration and live aligned and joyfully. Cool. Thank you so much for spending the six hours with us to tell you your whole life story. (laughs) Six days have been so long. I'm so thirsty. (laughs) Thanks. Thank you. This was an excellent way to wrap up this entire project. And it's been an exhausting journey, and but it's rewarding. So. Here's to you, awesome. friend. Thank you. Done. And done. done. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen today. Please leave a review and subscribe to the podcast on any of the channels. Or if you know someone who could benefit, please share the link and let's strengthen our community. My goal is to inspire and to encourage the greatness in others. So I invite you to reach out to me via email or social media to keep the conversation going or just to share what you made today. Have an excellent day.